2: Welcome to another edition of your favorite movie podcast, the web slinging, spider sensing, finger gesturing duo known by its poorly planned nickname, Force Perspective. This is episode 98, The Homecoming King. I'm your host, Sports Guy 515, and on this episode, we continue our hashtag Road to 100 with a review of the latest entry into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the Sony Marvel joint venture known as Spider-Man: Homecoming. Before that, I'd like to introduce my co-hosts first, my No More 4 Suspective co-host, the living inspiration for Peter Parker's friend Ned, ladies and gentlemen,
3: Adolfo. I don't know if I should take that as an insult or a compliment.
2: <laughs> you can take it however you want, bro. I don't
3: know.
2: <laughs> but, uh, but last but certainly not least, our special guest co-host returning to 4 Suspective, simply known as the guy in the chair. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back, Headcase.
1: It feels good to be back,
2: and we're happy to have you back, bro.
1: Thank you, man. I really right, appreciate
2: guys. it. Awesome, awesome. All right, guys, welcome back to Force Perspective. <clears throat> you have to excuse my voice a little bit. My uh, throat's a little hoarse right now. Uh, I engaged in some frivolities last night that I'd rather not go into right now. <laughs> but uh, needless to say, I am I am about just full disclosure. I am about 25% hung over, but well enough to be able to do my daily functions and that's why we are all gathered here today we're gonna to talk some spider-man today um, so you gotta drink that's plenty the
3: best of water ki- and eat lots of fried food dude that's the that's what you should do well, i just had some eggs for breakfast i literally woke all up right. about an hour ago so i was about to you know, say you-
1: that's the that's the best kind of hungover the best kind of hungover is when you're able still able to perform your normal functions that your normal day-to-day functions instead of being like completely like fucked up and you know having to throw up you know spending the rest of the day throwing up you're so hungover I've had that
3: <laughs> yeah man you, you, gotta, you gotta put some carbs and fat in your body today to soak up all that alcohol up,
2: yep yeah well it, it's it's certainly better and, uh, than I was feeling a couple of weeks ago when I saw Wonder Woman and I was the really bad I don't want to get out of bed hungover but I kind of bought it anyway <laughs> and I saw it in 3D regardless so <laughs> that, wow. that, that screwed up my day but um, but that, I I'm noticing now that my voice is sounding a little weird, so I just want to let everybody know I apologize in advance for that, you know. But we'll get through this show. Um, so I saw Spider Man last night, as of this recording. I think Adolf we saw it a couple days ago on Friday. It's on Friday night. Yeah. Yes, and uh, Headcase here saw it before anybody else did. So I wanted to ask <laughs> him about that first before we get started. Um, so I saw on Facebook. Had case that i think you went on what was it last monday or tuesday or maybe it was the week before i don't even it, remember but
1: it was last wednesday so it was the uh the 28th of june
2: the 28th of june so a whole week and a half ago you saw spider-man Hunkum before any of us now i'm the yes. one that usually gets these advanced screenings which I like to brag about on the show but this one eluded me but you somehow you or your brother were able to somehow foil me in this plan so you got to tell me tell me about how charlie got those tickets and uh just tell me about the experience going to see it on june 28th a full like week and a half before anybody else
1: yes well um i'm not my brother went to this like like a week before he went to this like event here in charlotte it was like for uh they were giving out press material for spider-man and apparently there, there were games and my brother said it was a kind of a lame thing but the next day he told me about uh, he, he didn't tell me he actually sent me a uh, a Facebook message sending me a link to uh, a website and when I checked it out I was on my way to work at the time I checked it out and uh, I saw him like it was an advanced screening for Spider-Man Homecoming I'm like is this legit he's like yeah so I went ahead and signed up for him like do I have to pay for anything he's like no it's, uh, as long as long as you you know show them the ticket out the door you're good i'm like awesome um so thankfully and it was it was on a day that both of us were off from work so uh, we were both able to go um it was here in charlotte actually uh yeah it was here in charlotte um we had to get here at least an hour early get in line there was a line basically around uh around the theater like we had we had there was a huge line so it was basically first come first serve what you Ooh, had to do is oh those
2: are those are tough i've been to a couple of those and yes. like i just to be sad, I literally got to like two hours three hours ahead of time because i was not missing out because if, if the ticket even says yes. like seating is not confirmed you know it's first come first serve you know if you arrive after they're full that that's it like it doesn't guarantee you entry so those are the, right. those are the tough ones
1: basically Yes. Basically, what happened was we got here, we waited for about an hour before they started seating us. We were supposed to start at seven, and, and when I realized it was about like fifteen, ten minutes before seven, I realized they weren't going to seat us. So, you know, they actually, by the time we had gotten in the, in the theater, the movie had actually started. So we had they had to they had to stop it and restart it once everybody got in. So well, I'm glad um, they did that
2: because as, that, that seems yes. kind of messed up that you know they kind yeah, of started no. without everybody in the auditorium already.
1: Yeah. By the time me and uh, Charlie got in there, they was that uh, a few minutes had already passed. It was when the after um, the beginning where the vulture uh, where uh, Michael Keaton's character uh, had on already gotten fired from his job but when right when they found out they still had some of the alien tech left right from that job so that was as soon as we got in i'm like wow they already started the film and then Im- immediately they cut it off and uh they waited for everybody to uh get in and as far as i know most of us uh who were in line were able to see it there might have been two or three or four people that didn't get a chance to go in which you know i feel bad for them but uh you know not too bad because that could have been me if I showed up too late. but um yeah, they were not playing around with uh, leaks and spoilers. They had people checking us at the uh, at the door, you know with metal detectors and all kinds of shit and they had to, they made everybody leave their cell phones. So every single one of us, we either had to put our cell phone back in the car or we left it with security. So they put like uh, cell phones in like pl- uh, paper bags and wrote our names on them so oh, you know i i've never been to something I've like never that had before. that
2: happening before where they took my phone ahead of time but uh but yeah that's uh that's crazy you know so they're dead serious about the possibility of spoilers so yes
1: and this is actually the second uh film i've seen early uh this is the first film i've seen a week and a half early the other one was uh avengers age of ultron because uh uh my on my A film. We had a film festival here on campus at UNC Charlotte, and I was part of the committee to put the film festival together. And it was sponsored by Marvel, so they gave away like they raffled off free tickets. And when we had some extra tickets, they raffled uh, raffled, raffled them off to people in the class who was putting together the film festival. And I got one of those, but I only saw that like two or three days before the film came. Out to wide audiences. No, nice. Never before have, never before have I been able to see a, uh, a film a week and a half before it came out. So that was a really, really, really awesome experience.
2: Yeah, and I can tell on uh, social media. Yeah, if you were desperate to try to well, talk about this with somebody, and you just couldn't. You know, you wanted to wait till everybody saw it. So what was that like? Just kind of waiting around until it actually came out to be able to talk about Spider-Man. I know you loved well, it. Well, you did say as much. Like it was awesome. You loved the movie, but you can't talk about it. Until it comes out so what was Oh yeah that like
1: um, the, re- the, re- the reason I said that is because I was actually a couple of episodes behind on this show So I was still listening To the uh, the big summer um, Special where y'all Went down across the summer schedule And like previewed Each film so when y'all were t- Talking about Spider-Man Homecoming And talking about some of the stuff I was I had already seen it at this point So and I know that episode's like a month or Two months behind or whatever I can't remember but so I was like, they, y'all were talking about some of the stuff um, related to the film, and I'm like, oh, I wish I could go up and just tell them, you know, I know they'll find out eventually, but I wish I could just go ahead and tell them what they were right about and what they were wrong about, you know.
2: Oh, I know, that, yeah, but uh, but the film is finally here. I mean, it, it is probably the one I was looking forward to the most this summer. I think I have about two left this year, maybe three. That I really want to go see Because you have Planet of the Apes next week And then you have uh, Dunkirk the week after I think after Dunkirk I think I'm done I think I said this last week on the show as well I think after Dunkirk I'm pretty much done with the summer Not necessarily willingly But because of work That's when it really starts to kick in And I won't be able to go out to the movies as much The rest of the summer But you know Spider-Man was a big thing I was waiting for And it's finally here Uh, Spider-Man Homecoming So uh, with that that said Adolfo Why don't you tell us a little bit about Spider-Man Homecoming
3: Sure. So Spider-Man Homecoming has a bit of an interesting background. Um, Spider-Man, while Marvel was bought by Disney back in, I believe, 2011, uh, maybe 2012, um, but they've owned them for a while now. Um, Even though they've owned uh, uh, Marvel for a while now uh, and they own the rights to Spider-Man as a character, they do not own the film rights because before Disney bought Marvel – uh, Sony had exclusive uh, an exclusive license to that. And basically, as long as they keep making Spider-Man movies, they're going to continue to have those Spider-Man uh, under their contract. Um, this is basically how we got the two amazing Spider-Man movies that uh, some people like, some people dislike. I'm in the dislike camp. I don't think they're very good films. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the first one did okay, but the second one was disappointing at the box office. Uh, and then this was around 2014. And this is when... Uh Sony was more receptive to the idea of maybe working with Marvel and now including Spider-Man as part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which had been going on for quite some time. Um, so we first saw Spider-Man back at the Captain America Civil War uh, where he uh, joined Tony Stark's team. And uh, that's kind of where this film kicks off. You kick off with a little, like a little bit of that and then it also goes into uh, the rest of what, – what happens to Peter Parker after, after those events in Civil War. Uh, it also parallels that with uh, Michael Keaton's Adrian Toomes who is a – Contractor that's kind of cleaning up the the city after the Avengers, uh, the first Avengers film, where all the aliens, you know, got uh, invaded, and they start and, and uh, they get taken over um, by a, a group called Damage Control, which is a Tony Stark group that cleans up all the messes that superheroes make. Uh, Michael Keaton, kind of pissed off that the man has come in and screwed him over, uh, decides to start his own little. Uh, what's the word i'm looking for um black market uh weapons trade uh, where he takes some of these alien technologies and makes new weapons out of them uh and then both these stories kind of collide of spider-man uh in- interacting with uh what he now call what we know as the vulture and stopping his uh illegal black market schemes that's the basic plot of spider-man homecoming
2: right right now uh to uh, kind of get this discussion going, I kind of I'll I'll start throwing it to uh, to Adolfo, then I'll throw it to to Headcase. But I do want to say, number one, uh, I think we need to talk about well number well actually to get it started, I just want to say I absolutely love this movie. It was same. It was probably uh it was probably my favorite since Spider-Man 2. I don't know if it's necessarily better than Spider-Man 2, but it was my favorite one since then. Um. And what I, the first thing I noticed as soon as the movie finished, and I was walking out of the theater, I started thinking about it, and I was like, you know what? This was essentially an origin story without an origin story, if that makes any sense. This was one of those movies where it introduced the character, it introduced his surroundings, his environment, and introduced the people around him without necessarily being about how he became Spider-Man. Because we've seen that. A story pretty much done to death the last 10-15 years on film. Now, we have, when we start this movie, Spider-Man is already Spider-Man, and he's established as Spider-Man, you know, especially after the events of Civil War, but you still got to know Peter Parker, you still got to know his friends, his family, and essentially, like, his struggles in being Spider-Man because now he's in the spotlight, especially after, uh, after a Berlin, as they called it, you know, now he's more and more in the spotlight. So we got to see how he kind of handles that. And him being a high school, I think he's about a sophomore or a junior. I don't remember what, but. Um, well, he's you know, a sophomore. Teen, so
3: he, that would make him a sophomore. That
2: would make him a sophomore, right? Yeah. So, you know, we get to see kind of how, you know, a teenager kind of is thrust into the spotlight and how he handles it. So, you know, again, we don't see how he becomes become Spider-Man, but we don't need to see it. But we still get to see him kind of. You know, go through his day, go through, you know, his uh, his life as Spider-Man, not having really witnessed it in this universe before. So it's awful. Like, do you want to add anything about that or talk about that aspect of the story?
3: (laughs) Yeah, I'm so glad that they You know, you hit the nail right on the head. It's an origin story without being an origin story, because unlike um uh, the Batman films, every single time uh, there's been a Batman film, uh, we've seen the origin story over and over again, including Batman versus Superman. Uh, and this one decided to, to stay away from that because we all know what the origin story is. We all know Uncle Ben got killed. We all know he got bit by a radioactive spider and that it was his responsibility that led to him becoming Spider-Man. Uh, they
1: allude to Uncle Ben getting killed, but they never even mentioned him by name. Uh, yeah, I, want, made, I wanted to I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt. I actually found out there were some people that were really upset by that, that they don't even mention Uncle Ben. Like they allude – like you said, they allude to it because Peter says at one point –
3: I don't see why. We know – everyone knows the story. Everyone knows – if there's three things everyone knows about superheroes even people that don't like read comics is one batman's parents were murdered two superman's planet blew up and three man uh got bit by a, a radioactive spider and his uncle died like those are the three everyone knows that why do we we don't need to see it on film again you
1: yeah, know we don't we, you're right absolutely i agree we don't need to see it on film again but i think a lot of people were upset that there wasn't any direct mention of it like uh only thing we we hear is like people Peter tells uh, Ned that you know Aunt May can't find out on Spider-Man after all she you know after all she's been through which of course is a reference to exactly. Uncle Ben getting killed but you know I mean I guess I can understand why some people would get upset that he's not mentioned not even once by name but it didn't bother me it not didn't at all.
3: bother me either I, I mean we like I said we've seen this over and over again we don't need to see it again um, and they also um the, he does kind of briefly mention whenever Ned is asking him all the questions, like, I got bit by a spider. And then that's it. It's, yeah. it's over. And then, you know, it. it the I, I saw recently that Kevin Feige, um, who is the kind of overseer of Marvel Productions, uh, said that there's a planned five movie arc with Spider-Man. So they're planning at least five movies with him. Five? Um, that, that's I thought, what I read. I um, thought it
1: was three. That was that's that's unless kind of unless, unless they're three.
3: including him in other unless like the uh, the other two movies are him being part of other movies so maybe that's what maybe that's what he's talking about but i saw so kevin feige mentioned something about five films maybe they're not going to be all these spider-man films he's going to talk he's talking about spider-man being in five different films uh but so i could certainly see them revisiting it in one of those films where like there's a flashback or there's a whatever you know but we don't need to see it in this movie because you know we need to start fresh we don't need the baggage everyone already knows let's just move forward right um and so I, I did enjoy that, uh, and I do like the fact that it's, you know, it's a little different. You know, Spider-Man purists would be like, "That's not how Spider-Man got started. Spider-Man did not get started because Tony Stark gave him stuff." I understand that, but this is Spider-Man in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and this is how he starts, and I'm okay with that. Like, because we've seen the story, before. and this is coming from a huge Spider-Man Mark. I'm the biggest Spider-Man Mark you can imagine, and I'm totally okay with them. Retrofitting the story to fit into the Marvel Cinematic Universe.
2: Uh, Headcase, do you want any, anything to that?
1: Um, no, I abs- have uh, not much. I really, I agree with Adolfo. Like, it doesn't really bother me about the, uh, you know, no real mention of uh, Uncle Ben and only a slight mention of how he became spider-man doesn't really bother me too much like but uh, what i had heard was there were going to be three films one of him as a sophomore one of him as a junior and then one of him as a senior in high, high school now if they do more after that with him in like college or whatever that doesn't bother you know that's great too but i mean i'm hoping it you know there's more than just three films and whatever he does uh outside of his solo films like the avengers or anything like that i hope there's more than that i hope we don't get just those three films and there's no more Spider-Man in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I doubt there will be. As much money as this movie's going to make and as successful as this movie's going to be, they're going to try and keep that that gravy train rolling.
3: And uh, he, he is he is definitely confirmed for uh, uh Infinity War. Yeah. Um it, it, I mean that that has been confirmed. So, uh, pretty I mean he's been spotted on set and and he's been filming it. So, we I don't know if that counts towards five movies or not.
2: Right, right. I mean, I would imagine yeah. it would, but uh, but I don't know how like how that deal is, is worked out or what the terms are or how that's going to work. But uh, hopefully we get to see maybe like an, uh, at
3: least one or
2: two other just Spider-Man films coming out of this deal as well.
3: OK, so sorry. I just looked it up. Here's here's what it is. Uh, uh, this is from Kevin Feige. This is the quote. We are looking at a five movie storyline, Civil War. So the county Civil War is part one. Homecoming, Avengers Infinity War. The second Avengers movie after that, and then Homecoming Part Two, or whatever we end up calling it, as an amazing five-story journey for Peter Parker. So I don't know if they're going to keep going after that, um, but it's it's interesting that they are already start like they consider the first uh, so that's they consider Civil War as part part one, and this is
1: part two.
2: Right.
1: That's a I little. I figured they counted Civil War. That would make sense, but that's a little. Uh, disappointing to hear if there if there's only going to be two solo Spider-Man films. I mean, I imagine they'll probably get the idea to make more or something like that. But
3: well, much you know. like much like uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Iron Man, he made three Iron Man movies and then he keeps getting convinced to come back and do other movies. So <laughs> I I can see like I can see certainly a a, a case for after they've all because what these five movies might be is they probably if I had to guess. They probably signed Tom Holland for those five movies and maybe – and then so that, that's all that they can really guarantee right now. You know what I mean? Right. right. All right. But
2: um, by the way, we are going to get into some spoilers as well, especially after now this upcoming part. So if those of you who haven't seen Spider-Man Homecoming, I would suggest stopping it here, going to see it, and then coming back to listen to the rest of the show. But it's – Second topic I want to talk about is specifically two characters. I want to talk about Peter Parker, Tom Holland. I want to talk about Adrian Toomes, Michael Keane. We'll start with with Peter Parker because we've said on this show before, we did a whole retrospective on the Spider-Man films up to Amazing Spider-Man 2 when that film came out. And I think the general gripe between all of us who was see, not just you know myself and Adolfo, but Denon, Big D, Draven, was that uh, – oh, and Hamza, I think, was on one of them too. Was that they can never get the full Peter Parker, Spider-Man character down. You know, it would always be, for example, like with with Toby, as we called him on that show, give him that (laughs) nickname. Uh, He would be a, a, he was a great Peter Parker, but he was a so-so Spider-Man, in our opinion. And then with Andrew Garfield, it was the reverse. He was a great Spider-Man, but as Peter Parker, he wasn't really, he didn't really embody what that character was supposed to be um but i think with tom holland i think they found the balance because you have tom holland playing peter parker as that kind of awkward teenage character in high school you know not very popular you know comes off very awkward like i said um and then when he's spider-man he kind of does a whole 180 and he's like throwing one-liners out and acting cool you know and but he still he kind of still retains kind of like that that nerdy sense because you know like we said this is this is quote-unquote origin story where he's kind of still like getting to know the suit and the power that it has so he's stumbling through like all like the options for like you know the, the web shooters you know and he always, he's always doing pratfalls on his face you know so but at the same time like he, he can he can handle himself as spider-man you know he he can hold his own as far as you know in fist fights, and you know he throws out those witty one-liners so i don't know about you guys but i think with tom holland they found the perfect spider-man peter parker balance
3: what do you think of those? they did um they they did absolutely uh find a balance because it, it, as peter parker when he's in high school he's a little awkward um and you know kind of dorky and he's clearly like not like he could he's on the science debate their quiz team or whatever you call the the cat what are they called the cat the, dec- the, uh, the decathlons, right uh and so you know he's a dork, but uh, whenever he is Spider Man, even though he kind of has internal like he's always commenting on what's happening to him in like a funny way. Whenever he's fighting villains, he's also kind of taking shots at them too, which is what Spider Man is. So uh, I, I, they did kind of nail him. Like uh, and like you said, Toby, as much as I love the the, the first two Sam Raimi films, Toby never quite got the Spider Man part down. Uh, he only got the Peter Parker part down. Uh, And Andrew Garfield sucked as Peter Parker. He was an okay Spider Man, but he sucked as Peter Parker.
1: Tom Holland finally got the mix right. I I don't think there's anything else. I was about to say there's really nothing else I need to add. I agree. Tom Holland pretty much embodied everything that needs to be seen in that character, both as Spider Man and Peter Parker. And, you know, this and Civil War, I don't know how he's a fairly new new actor isn't he like this is the first time i've ever seen him on film in civil war and uh this film i think this kid has a bright future as an actor so not not just as spider-man i'm talking about in general like this kid is really good so you know i think he did absolutely fantastic as peter parker fantastic as spider-man so gets two thumbs up for me
2: oh definitely yeah and uh if there's one thing that the uh the mcu knows how to do it's villains, and I think Adrian Toomes, a.k.a. The Vulture, was another one of the Marvel villains that really was written well and was really executed well, not just, you know, writing-wise, but acting. Michael Keaton, we, we love to talk about how Michael Keaton is getting paydays now, especially after Birdman, and he's really, really deserved this one because Michael Keaton was absolutely convincing, absolutely wonderful as vulture and the thing i like about and we talked about this a lot on the show you know in past shows the last what 98 shows 97 shows is that this doesn't just apply to pro wrestling but even to movies as well that when you have a heel that like the best heels for example are heels that when you really think about what they're saying you know that they're right you know that you know everything that this quote-unquote bad guy is saying has some iota of truth in it and with adrian toombs essentially you know, getting kicked to the curb at the beginning of the film when they were trying to clean up the Chitauri mess from the Battle of New York and the Avengers. You know, you know, it, when you hear him talk to the to the director lady and say, you know, I brought on a new crew for this. You know, these guys have families. I have a family. You know, you can't you can't just take our livelihoods away from us. And the way she just cold heartedly says, "I'm sorry, there's nothing I can do." So, um, that really that really got to me. You know, that really like it made me so empathetic to. Adrian Toomes and kind of where he was, his lot in life. And you kind of get why he's a bad guy now, the quote unquote bad guy, because it's like, okay, well, now I can't, I I lost my job. How am I going to provide for my family? Okay, I guess I'll be a criminal now. This is the only way I'll be able to put food on my table. So I just love how that character was written. I love how he came across. Like at the same time, as empathetic as he was, he was still, he did some evil shit which solidifies him as a heel, but his origins to get to that point are understandable, and people, you know, and as the audience, we kind of get already why he had to take that path. Uh, Adolfo,
0: what do you think about that?
3: Uh, so I'm going to slightly disagree with you a little bit, not on the Michael Keaton part, because Michael Keaton was amazing in this film. Uh, I'm going to disagree a little bit with you when you say that Marvel does villains well, because I actually don't think they do them that well. I think that they, they've actually had uh a kind of uh, a string of not bad villains but villains that like could have been great but kind of uh didn't live up to their full potential i'm talking i'm thinking someone like ultron i'm thinking like someone like the mandarin um oh, and a lot I, of movies i wasn't considering the mandarin in that discussion <laughs> by the way so but um he was like an exception for me <laughs> I mean and then some villains just outright had bad villains, just bad villains like Iron Man 2 didn't have good villains. The Incredible Hulk didn't have a good villain. Um, Thor, uh, uh, the Dark World had a terrible villain that you – no one remembers who he is. Like I guarantee you, you have to Google it to figure out – to remember his name. Um, so they're, they've they actually not had that that much of a great villains. I think the, the two great villains they – other than Loki that they've had were on the Netflix show with uh, the Kingpin and uh, – uh I'm forgetting his name oh killgrave on Jessica Jones so the, they they have had kind of a villain problem I think Michael Keaton finally has has stepped up and and, and ended that because uh Michael keaton <laughs> Was fantastic in this film. Uh, I mean, I am. So, I mean, I, a couple of years ago, before Birdman came out, I remember writing a Facebook status saying something like, "I wish Michael Keaton would make a comeback because I love Michael Keaton." And you know, after Birdman, he's been just been killing it in role after role after role. Uh, despite whatever you think of any movies he's in, like he has been awesome in them. Uh, and I'm just so glad he's he's back. And are we getting into spoilers? Yes, we are.
1: And they didn't kill him.
3: Like yep. that's yes. another great thing that they didn't <laughs> that-
1: kill him. And I loved that. I love the fact that they did not kill him cause, because, there's, you know. Yeah, there's one thing that modern comic book movies
3: always screw up and it's killing the villain and then not and then not leaving you with that villain for another for another movie down the road. So like and I love that mid credit sequence where, uh, you know, after the obviously this is a Marvel Excuse me. This is a Marvel movie, so there's a, a mid-credit sequence and a post-credit sequence. Um, the mid-credit sequence has uh, Michael, uh, Adrian Toomes, the Vulture, in in jail, and he meets up with that other guy who was on uh, Mac Gargan, who was on his, you know, he was trying to sell weapons to. And by the way, that guy is a future villain named the Scorpion. Um, I love that uh, what he says: "If I knew who he was, I'd kill him myself," which is very intriguing that he is not divulging that information so is he doing it out of because he's that he's grateful for him saving his life or because he wants to be able to kill him himself or or what you don't know and that i think is probably a mix of both yeah and that's what i think is very intriguing and it opens up the fact that we might see the vulture again in the future and that makes me super happy
2: Definitely, especially. Uh, I mean, we, since we got at least one more like solo Spider-Man film down the line, so maybe he'll make a comeback there. At least they definitely let the door open for that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh. To add on to what you said earlier, Mark. Um. You mentioned how he was, uh, empathetic and how you could feel for him, and he wasn't completely. He was a villain, but he wasn't completely villainous. Like he wasn't and that I,
2: cartoony evil that we're used to seeing yeah. these types. Of well, things. he
1: did get kind of I evil want, at I, the end. I Yeah. Well, I wanted to say
2: like the origins of that guy. Like he didn't just start out as cartoony, goofy, evil. Like he kind of graduated up to that. But his origins, you know, were very empathetic, in my opinion.
1: Right. Well, I wanted to say because I had read before the film came out, like somewhat before the film came out, how Keaton had had said that the character was not completely villainous, and he was quoted as saying, "There's parts of him that you go, you know what? I might see his point." And that made me kind of nervous because I remember they kind of tried to do the same thing with the Sandman and Spider-Man 3, which I completely hated. But so but I I was kind of on the fence about that, especially seeing in the trailers where Keaton would say, you know, the rich guys, they don't care about us. And I'm thinking that's kind of cliche, but they really made it work here. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. You know, Michael Keaton's great in just about in any role he's in, so and I again, like you said, I am so glad they did not kill him. You know, I guarantee he'll be back for you know. So, uh, he'll I guarantee he'll be back in the future. He has to be.
2: I think uh, I think probably my favorite line from him in the movie was when he's talking to Peter, and uh, he says that you know Tony Stark, uh, so the guy who makes the mess is getting paid to clean it back up. You know. So, uh, yeah. that, that was like probably the epitome of everything that, uh, that, uh, Toombs was against, you know, the little guy once again is getting screwed over by the guy who ended up making the entire mess in the first place. So, uh, that, that really yeah. spoke kind of volumes to, uh, Adrian Toombs' motivation. I I absolutely love that line. That line stuck with me even after the movie ended. I was like, that, that makes a hundred percent, 110% sense to me. So, uh. But yeah, we loved Michael keene Michael keene was awesome here. But like what do you think about the uh the kind of supporting characters in this film? Like you had Aunt May here, um, you know, uh, Marissa Tomei. She was in it for for a few. Like, you know, she wasn't in it much to really be able to say, okay, like she was amazing in it, but like, you know, she did her job well. Um, you have uh John Favreau as Happy Hogan who got more more uh, screen time, who I love John Favreau, that guy's awesome. Uh Donald Glover got some screen time, he was he was great too for the little role that he had. You know, and uh The one that i liked, i don't know the actor's name i'm gonna try to look it up but who the guy who played ned was really good and and the thing i I noticed about ned too was and the way they portrayed him i don't know if you guys agree was i don't think any of you saw baywatch but in baywatch you kind of had a similar character i would say like kind of like the the bumbling sidekick who's like overweight and you know is only good at making you know funny one-liners that in baywatch's case weren't really all that funny but I think with Ned, like, it, it makes sense because – and Baywatch, this dude is supposedly an adult already and still acting this way. But at least with Ned, he's in high school. He's 15 years old. He's in Peter Parker's class. You know, that's the only friend that he has. You know, and they are both kind of have those same awkward qualities that kind of bring them together. Um, but, you know, Ned, is, Ned has, like, a, a very charming quality to him. You know, he has that – he still has that, like, teenage innocence. And I really like his interactions with Peter Parker because, you know, and especially their friendship – because it's typical of any you know high school friendship, you know what do you guys think about the head case? I'm going to start with you.
1: Okay, I thought Ned was absolutely hilarious. Um, the name the, the actor's name is Jacob Badalon, or Badalon. Right. Uh, um, I thought he was absolutely hilarious. He played as a perfect comic f- uh, relief. Uh, side character and i like i also loved his interactions with peter parker you know when he's bugging him about hey do you have uh can you summon an army of spiders how how far can you shoot your web or you know just asking him random ass questions about his spider powers i thought that was absolutely hilarious you know and his insistence to be the guy in the chair for uh, for peter is you know I think it they worked really well together, so you know I really enjoyed it. Hopefully he's back for future films. I mean I'm sure he will be, but you know uh,
3: he, he is confirmed for the the sequel it's in his it, it, so uh, he, he's been announced to be in the sequel so that uh, we'll be seeing him again. Awesome. Uh the thing I liked about Ned, so here's what some some people might not know. Here's where we're gonna get super geeky here. Um Ned, uh or his real his full name is Ned Leeds. Ned is um he's played he plays his best friend in, in the film. He's he's supposed to be, you know, like the the guy that you know Spider-Man explains everything to plus explains it to the audience, right? But what Ned is uh, in the comics, is completely different. He, Ned Leeds does exist in the comics, but not in this capacity. Ned Leeds is actually a fellow reporter at the Daily Bugle. Uh, whenever you know, uh, when Spider-Man is an adult, um, but he actually ends up becoming the Hobgoblin in the co- in the comics. So I don't think that they're gonna go this route, that route with this guy. Uh, I think he's probably just gonna remain the 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 chubby sidekick, uh, comic relief. But I just find it interesting that they that that's what they used. That's what they used him for. But in the comics, that guy is it's funny, the Hobgoblin.
1: I wanted to interrupt you here. Um, I'm actually looking on the Wikipedia page, and it said Marvel used Ned, Ned Leeds as a basis for the character, but essentially created their own character with him. I guess so. It's kind of like they used him as a basis, but you know, created their own character. They did. I guess they did the same with Liz, who was uh, in the comics, was Liz Allen, and with one more that I'm not going to talk about right now. But I'm sure we'll talk about that later.
3: Yeah. So, yeah. So, Liz Allen, who that's, I mean, that's a deep pool for for Spidey fans. Cause uh, if you read the first, like, you know, and you can go, but you can find them online or, or get them and trade paperbacks. But if you read like the first, 20 issues of the original spider-man run in the 60s like his love interest was not mary jane watson it was not gwen stacy it was liz allen uh and my love interest is just the girl that he had a crush on that never had the time day for him uh so i just found it interesting that they went with liz allen instead of uh mj or uh they kind of went with MJ, but we'll talk about in a second and uh gwen stacy which were which at this point are kind of uh tired you know they're they're tired out we we don't need to see them for a little while so uh, i i like that they went with liz in this one um they also introduced a couple of, like so there is a in the film you see uh there's like a student news program where one of uh one of the anchors is uh Betty, Betty Brand. uh that's yeah. Betty Brandt who uh, is, uh who's another yes. daily Bull, uh, now, uh wasn't person, she wasn't she secretary. the sorry,
2: sorry to interrupt you though, but the the actress who played Betty Brandt was she the girl from the nice guys who played Ryan Gosling's daughter i think that's why I recognize her as, but I hadn't actually looked it up to see. how she's gonna do it right Is now. Is that
3: sure. her? Um,
2: it looked like her, so I'm gonna actually find out now. Well, you um, can keep talking and I'll find out.
3: But yeah, she's Betty Brant, uh, and in, in the um, in the comics, uh, she's J. Jonah Jameson's secretary, and then becomes a full-fledged uh, reporter at the Daily Bugle. But I think it's interesting that they they started her journalistic career there uh, on the on the uh, Spider-Man on uh, the the high school. T- News show, so I think that's also a nice deep pool there. Also, uh, they they laid some groundwork. My favorite one is probably the one that went a lot of went over a lot of people's heads It's the Donald Glover character. The Donald Glover character isn't just some random thug. Um, so th- his name is Aaron Davis in the film. Aaron Davis is the uncle of the new Spider-Man played. Uh, that's Miles Morales, who's the half black half Latino Spider-Man that's running around now. Uh, and so what's interesting is that Donald Glover, before I believe the first Amazing Spider-Man movie came out, he was kind of campaigning to be Spider-Man uh, and a lot of people said, oh, he could be Miles Morales uh, and then obviously they didn't go in that direction. But the the producers and the director, uh, as a kind of a wink-wink to the audience, cast him as Miles Morales' uncle. Now, I don't know if we're going to get Miles Morales – But they certainly planted the seed, and he could be – and it could happen because technically that's part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe canon. So I found that really funny and interesting.
1: Uh, I had actually found out about that before the film came out that – because I I know nothing about um, Miles Morales except the very basic – because I don't read current comics. So – when I, I didn't know who the Prowler was or, or anything like that, but I had found that out before the film came out, and I thought that was really cool. So because my brother was one of the ones who were really campaigning to see Donald Glover as Miles Morales in uh, the amazing the original Amazing Spider-Man, but but you know and he was still sore that that never happened, you know. But um, I think it's really cool that they were able to get Donald Glover involved in this film as a uh, kind of a nod to the fact that he campaigned so hard to be part of the previous films
3: yeah so so uh him him being in there that's that's a, that's a fun easter egg uh for for this film I, I really enjoyed that
2: same so uh so a couple things number one so i did look up her the actress' name is angori rice she played betty brandt and yes she did play ryan gosling's daughter holly in uh, the nice guy so i knew that was her i just couldn't say for a fact and now that is confirmed. The other thing that kind of popped me, for those of you that are movie fans, like, like real movie fans, bro, is uh, Tony Revolori, who played Flash in this movie. For those of you who looked at him, like, I, I've seen him somewhere before. Like, I just can't place it. Well, he was the one who played Zero Mustafa in the Grand Budapest, so that wacky Wes Anderson movie. So, uh... <laughs> That's uh, that's it. Yeah, I, mean, I, I didn't know that at first. Like, I recognized them. Like with the uh, Rice, I recognized them both. i was like, where have I seen them before? And then that popped me when I thought that was zero. So.
1: Yeah, that that tripped me out because the same thing happened to me. I noticed you know, like, how? Do, where do I know this guy from? And then after the fact, after the film, I went and looked up all the actors, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's the kid from the Grand Budapest Hotel. I thought that was yeah, that was pretty cool. Right.
3: So which brings up a point um and and this this is where i think uh, w- w- what i what i kind of love what they did with this film is that this is a very diverse cast that they have here uh, w- uh, and they you know did a lot of quote unquote race changing with a lot of the characters which i'm sure pissed off a bunch of racists um but for yeah, but, but you fuck know them. Uh, get, Liz get Allen about what they think yeah right yeah. Liz Allen is a black girl Tone Revelori uh, i'm sorry Flash is – uh, I'm not sure what his uh, – Tony Rolori's, um ethnicity is, but he's clearly not white. Um, and uh, uh, Ned Leeds is a uh, Filipino, I believe. Um, you know, yes. so they did change a lot of uh, a lot of the 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 fabric, uh, racial fabric of, of, of the sporting cast, which, by the way, makes sense because he does live in Queens. So, yep. it, it, and it's kind of funny because in previous movies everyone he knew was white, and it, and in reality he should probably have a more of a diverse uh, group of people around him. So, uh, I really did enjoy that that he's that you know they they did kind of change that up a bit and by the way even as a spider-man pierce didn't bother me it's fine totally fine guys if anybody get upset by it deal with it. just deal with it and get over it
1: yeah pretty much
3: yep um so
2: i do want oh by the way uh tony revelore is actually guatemalan that's his uh, ancestry so oh, there okay you go. um so let's talk about kind of the quote-unquote cameos here which i really really liked um, I'll start with Robert Downey Jr. Even though he's really not a cameo, He's more uh, more of a lead slash supporting role in this movie as Tony Stark. Um, I loved how he was like we we kind of seen him kind of just dominate, you know the, the the past Marvel Cinematic Universe stories that he's involved in, um, especially you know like you know, the one like the side ones like Civil War, all of those. That are, that's mainly Captain America film, but like Iron Man has just but but screen time as a as captain america does in that movie so uh so here it was nice to see him kind of take a back seat not only to you know kind of let just the spider-man story just kind of flourish but to act as that mentor role you know which i don't really think uh peter parker had like really that quote unquote mentor in like the previous iterations on film i mean unless i'm i guess if you guys want to remind me about something else but uh i liked how like you know uh tom holland as spider-man You could tell, like, this was an iteration of Spider-Man that was, quote-unquote, established already, especially after Civil War, but he still had his literal trading wheels on, as we saw in that scene when he had the trading (laughs) protocol programmed into a Spider-Man suit by Stark. Um, And I love kind of seeing Stark kind kind of view Tom Holland as kind of like a son and acting as that father figure to him. You know, I thought, like, his scenes with Tom Holland were very, very effective, and... It kind of just kind of helped establish the payoff at the end when you see kind of Spider-Man coming to his own, you know, all by himself. Uh, what, do you, what did you guys think of uh, Tony Stark in
1: this movie? I actually really liked it. I think a lot of people were worried that he was going to dominate the film, as you said earlier, because all over he was the poster in
3: a, and the trailers too.
1: Yeah, that's what I. That's what I was gonna get to. He was all over the. He was all throughout the trailers, and there's like two images of him on the poster. Like the poster has two images of Tom. Holland, two images of the vulture and two images of Iron Man. So you know, like people would think, oh man, he's going to take up like half the movie. But no, he really didn't. He uh, he sat back and played the supporting role. I mean, yeah, you we all know how Robert Downey Jr. acts as uh, as Tony Stark. So it was pretty standard for him. But you know, he did show kind of a a, a worry for uh, Peter Parker when he was like reprimanding him for the whole the fairy incident and talking down talking to him and he's like, Oh, I sound like my dad. So I think he's kind of slipping into that parental role. He really if he only, only appears. Character the, doesn't want to.
3: Yeah, he really only appears four times in the film. Uh and and two times in the first act at the beginning like the beginning prologue uh where right where it's right after civil war and then uh right after he kind of has his first big failure with the with the vulture uh and he kind of gives him like a Uh, hey man just stick to the the low low level stuff you gotta don't don't worry about the big guys then in the second act that's whenever he gets that that's whenever he takes the suit away and then in the third act at the very end whenever he like accepts him as a uh you know as a big time superhero and says that he's you know ready for the job so uh he he's really only in those three or four scenes so it's it's kind of interesting that they used him to sell the movie when they didn't really they probably didn't really need to do that you know but either way it worked i was okay with it um and uh, i like that it was a um uh it was more it was a father figure slash mentor role with uh tony seeing kind of something of himself in the kid you know he's getting this young genius but uh, and tony or and and peter looking up to this guy um that when he's lost his when he lost his own father figure at Uncle Ben, which they never mentioned, but still, you know that he doesn't have a father figure in his life, uh, and he's kind of looking yeah. up to the, him as a mentor. And, I, and I, I really do enjoy I enjoyed that dynamic, and I think it works. Um, and uh, yeah, it was it was really good. Actually, I think you see Happy Hogan more than you see Tony Stark in this film,
1: which you is really funny. do you really do?
2: Yeah, definitely. He kind of serves as like the proxy between, or the middleman, I should say, between uh, between uh, Peter Parker and Tony Stark, which was a nice touch. I mean, it got uh, John Favreau some screen time and a payday, so I'm, I'm all for that. Um, but the, uh, here's a couple of the. Uh, let's talk about the cameos real quick because the cameos popped me, especially the final, the final, final post-credit scene, which was the epitome of a waste of time. <laughs> but I loved every second of it. Um,
1: that is the that is the ultimate troll job ultimate that Marvel could The ultimate troll job
2: by Kevin Feige and the folks at Marvel Studios. So kudos to them because I fell for it hook, line and sinker. So uh, I think I, so, without, I honest, so having said that, so Chris Evans appears as Captain America here in uh in this film just as a video recording. So I love how like he's ba- they're basically using the Captain America protocol for like gym classes, you know, in school. So you know, Peter Parker's sitting with his class at gym and the coach is putting on the uh, the Captain America, like, hi, I'm Captain America, and if there's one thing that we, we care about here in this country, it's staying fit and staying healthy, or something along those lines that he said, so, uh, I don't know how that kind they of have just the one, Captain they have America the one to, like, exactly, and the what the detention, line, like, so, you're in detention, huh? You know, so, <laughs> you need to talk about, we need to talk about why you're here, and you need to look for that in yourself, or whatever he says, and I love that, that kind of quirky line at the end of the gym video, where the where the gym teacher says, you know, well, I think he's a war criminal now, but nonetheless, let's get to work. So uh, I love that kind of, that little one-liner that they threw in. So uh Chris Evans, guys, what did you think of his little
3: cameos here? Oh, Chris Evans was fun in this. Uh, I, I really did actually absolutely and you know what I like is the attention to detail here, because Captain America in the in, in those in those uh videos, he's in his Avengers movie number one costume uh because yes. because if you've ever noticed like in the captain america changes his costume from movie to movie and that is more of the avengers 2012 version of the costume which would make sense because if he after he woke up from his uh from his uh from his slumber or whatever he probably would be like asked to uh do a couple of these kind of things right around that time frame so uh, i find it amusing that that's that i find amusing that the attention to detail there i also liked um the uh <laughs> well, yeah, like you said, the Hannibal Barres uh, g- going, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's a war criminal. that was pretty funny. Um, isn't there one where he's like, um, isn't there one where he's like, uh, so your body's changing?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Bro. Like, there's like three or four of those in the movie that we saw. Um, yeah what
3: a, what a nice payday for for uh, for Chris Evans, huh? Yeah. yeah.
2: My favorite one though was the post-credits where he's sitting like, right, hi, it's Captain America again and there's one thing that you know that i want to talk to you about today is patience patience is something you know that i feel is a virtue which is something like that where you know you just kind of hold on and just wait for something no matter how disappointing it ends up being <laughs>
1: yeah like i, like I said before bro. like like i said before is ultimate troll job i thought it couldn't get uh, more of a troll job than at the end of guardians of the galaxy when they showed Howard the Duck instead of a preview for Avengers 2. I thought it couldn't get any funnier of a troll than that, but that was epic. Absolutely epic. Right. So.
4: Awesome.
2: Uh, there's a couple other cameos here. So uh, Karen Condon reprised her uh, voice role as Friday, uh, Tony Stark's uh, kind of AI for his suits, um, which uh, I think she, her first appearance was in Age of Ultron when she replaced Jarvis when he became Vision. Um and then the, the other one that popped me at the end was uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's back as uh, Pepper Potts. That was a nice little uh, cameo for her. And I love that whole sequence at the end where Peter Parker kind of says, okay, you know, thank you for making me an Avenger or wanting to make me an Avenger. But, you know, I kind of want to stick to the whole neighborhood Spider-Man type of thing. So then, he, so then he says, this was a trick, right? And I passed. And Tony's like, yep, you passed. Despite telling him that there was reporters on the other side <laughs> waiting for some big announcement. you know. And he's like, yep, you passed. There's nobody back there. You know, you're good to go. Then out of nowhere, Pepper pot shows up. He's like, there's reporters here. W- they're waiting. They want to know what's going on. There's some sort of big announcements. And he's like, you know, I'm actually happy that this guy took the high road decision. So, you know, we'll, we'll figure something out.
3: So I, I love uh, that, that little exchange there. So so two things of this scene. One, it that, that whole scene is a call out to uh, the comics where despite, because if you saw the Spider-Man suit that Tony presented him with, it's a little, it has a little red and gold in it. And in the comics, uh, around the time that the Civil War happened in the comics, uh, and Spider-Man sided with Tony Stark, um, he, you know he revealed his identity to the world and then Tony Stark gave him his own like what he called the iron spider suit and it's not quite it doesn't quite look like the one that that they showed in the movie here but it's 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 a little similar which I thought was a nice call out and two um the uh what I find amusing is that uh you know he says oh I'm gonna stick to uh being a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, watch out for the little guy. But in his next appearance, he's going to be in Infinity War, like, fighting Thanos. So uh, (laughs) maybe not so much he's going to be the little guy, you know? Right. Yeah.
2: And uh, I do have to mention, too, but I think you brought this up on Facebook, Adolfo. So, quote-unquote, Karen, who was Spider-Man's AI for his suit, was actually Jennifer Connelly, which I didn't realize she was gonna voice the the ai but she did a great job here so that's not so much a cameo as it is kind of like a pseudo side role but uh i thought she did great here like you know i, I didn't and realizing to find out that it was her was pretty cool
3: yeah and she yeah. Is, for those who don't know is married to paul bettany who plays the vision who was originally tony's ai so i think that was interesting
1: yeah really cool uh nod of continuity i guess
3: by the way, I apologize for that.
2: Uh, the phone's ringing down here and I'm trying to ignore it, but, uh, you know, I will just gotta, just gotta wait for
3: it to let it ring. <laughs> you're, you're a popular dude, man. Yeah. Uh,
2: apparently so. Um, so yeah, so th- those are the, like the characters I really wanted to discuss here as far as the movie goes. Um, now as far as kind of where just overall the film, like I kind of liked just the structure of the movie as a whole, um. Because like I said, you have you know like Peter Parker, like you're getting to know him, you're getting to know his neighborhood queens. Uh, you know he's a uh, kind of just living his life as Spider-Man, just you know he's like I got the Stark internship, you know, and he's kind of just like kind of going off of that wave, especially after Civil War, you know, and he gets very full of himself. He feels that uh, you know he can now that you know he's hung with Captain America, you know, and I, I took his shield and I said what's up, you know, and he's like he's bragging to his friend Ned about that, you know, <laughs> and. Uh, He's, uh, you know, so he little by the way, his confidence starts to grow, and he starts getting really, really full of himself. Like, you know, I don't need, you know, Stark. Like, why does he treat me like a baby, you know? So it's a typical, like, uh, arc for a character who still has, like, a lot to learn. I really like, the, like, the the transformation in the sense of Peter Parker by the time this movie starts or by the time the the ending of Civil War happens and then by the ending of uh, Homecoming because you can see, like, through his experiences, you know, Tony Stark wasn't talking out of his ass. Like, he really... uh. He was trying to teach them, you know, that you know, being a true hero, you don't doesn't come from these gadgets, these suits. It comes from within. You no, know, which is essentially kind of a, a cliche at this one because it's a story a lot of the superhero comic book movies use it, uh, you know, in the last like 15 years. But I kind of liked the, how like the journey of Peter Parker going from like kind of like that snot-nosed, uh, you know, kind of trainee quote unquote to like this mature, more okay, I, I accept my role, I know my responsibilities. With great power comes great responsibility, whole type of thing. And, I mean, what did you guys think of just that, that character arc as a whole and just how the movie kind of played it out uh
1: case? I thought it was really well done. Um, like you said, it's a very archetypal um, kind of character arc, but I think it was very well done. They didn't fall into any, like, uh, cliches that you would, you would uh, see with that kind of character arc, so I really enjoyed it
3: yeah i i did too i, I like the i like the whole character i like how they built it i liked him uh portraying it as this young hero who doesn't really know what he's doing um you know especially you know he's given uh when he first when you in, in the in the universe of the film he first starts with like this kind of You know, hoodie and sweatpants costume, and then he's given this really cool costume by Tony Stark, and he's still trying to figure out the ins and outs of that. Um, And he's uh, he's just—he's just—he acts like a 15-year-old kid would in this situation. And what I I kind of appreciate is that he doesn't really, unless I'm wrong, he doesn't get out of Queens. He never goes to Manhattan. Uh, he's never swinging from like really tall right. skyscrapers. Um, the tallest thing he swings off of is the the Washington Monument whenever they go down to D.C. Yeah. And <laughs> even then he comments, "Wow, that's really high," because it's the highest he's ever been. Because there's nothing. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Mark. You're you're more of the New Jersey, New York resident. Queens doesn't have super tall buildings, right? Correct. So so yeah. So he see he's he's only used to swinging from like mid-level sized buildings. So it's it's. Uh, I do love the fact that he's still like. A fresh, fresh superhero, and you know, in in the the original Raimi film, you know, you you got it, like you you took care of that all in a montage, right? You had like from after after the uh, he catches the burglar, uh, like after that, it's like a montage of him doing Spider Man stuff, and then the next time you see Spider Man, he's like already like fully capable superhero, right? And I yeah. like that in this film, he's like. He can do what you know. He can, you, you can tell he knows what he's doing, like in like he's comfortable with his powers. And he um, but it's but he still makes like little kid mistakes, like teenager mistakes. So uh, and, and that's what I think is really fascinating about this film.
2: Oh, definitely, definitely. Uh, so uh, two more points I kind of want to make. Cause I know Headcase has to split in a little bit, but uh, um, the two points I really want to get from everybody, just your reactions to, is number one, um, Zendaya or Zendaya, however you want to say her name, as a uh, Michelle MJ Jones so she is MJ here but she's not Mary Jane Watson she is another character completely but I do like the MJ initials they gave her so I I, it's more to your point Adolfo that you said earlier I think you know Mary Jane has been played out so much Gwen Stacy has been played out at this point you know I kind of like how they're kind of taking this character the character of MJ kind of created somebody new through those initials um Headcase what do you think about that little reveal
1: Actually, I was kind of mixed on that. I mean, I enjoyed it. I think her as a character was absolutely hilarious. Just, just uh, Michelle as a character was just funny. She's just being this snarky, like, and I, I just loved it. Every she had a comment for everything. Like, even she didn't even have to say anything. Like when when Peter shows up to the prom, and uh, Ned waves at him, and Michelle just flips him off. I thought that was hilarious, but. Um, the reveal of mj um like i said i was kind of mixed on that because it reminded me a lot of the end of the dark knight rises when they gave uh the john uh, john blake character <laughs> the name robin yeah
2: but i think they did it better though you know, this, I mean, this a lot of people thought probably the robin thing and myself included was kind of a cop-out but uh yeah uh, unnecessary. i mean
1: yeah i can understand that but i mean this kind of works in the sense that that was the end of a trilogy so there's nowhere they could have really gone with that this is the beginning of a, a new film series so you could go somewhere with uh the michelle character having the mj initials and not necessarily being mary jane watson i think it's I, so i was kind of mixed on that but i don't really have any real problems with it or anything like that so you know thumbs up for me
3: what do you think about that twist, Adolfo? I was totally fine with it, uh, and and actually I was gonna bring up the comparison to to Dark Knight Rises, but yeah, you beat me to it. Um, it, it, it is it is exactly kind of like that, where it's just like, oh, by the way, my name is, you know. Um, but I have no problem with it because, as I said, we've seen Mary Jane over and over again, we've seen Gwen Stacy over and over again. Uh, this is. Uh, basically a new character. She's not gonna be Mary Jane. She's Michelle. They're just they're, the MJ is there just as kind of like a shout out to like the Spider Man fans. But they're gonna. It's like a new character, and I'm I'm fine with it because if because she's not Mary Jane. If like she doesn't act like Mary Jane at all. Uh, she's a completely unique character. Um, so I'm totally cool with them doing uh with them introducing her as a uh, a new character with the with the same initials. I get that, but uh, it's still. I'm still cool with it. I liked it. Yeah, me too. And I like her as a character, and I think she'll be uh, a, a good a good addition to the series. Yeah.
2: Now, the other thing I wanted to talk about real before we kind of get out of here, too, um, before I get your overall thoughts on the film to get out, is uh, the uh, the big twist near the end of the film. Now, that kind of caught, caught me off guard. It caught uh, probably most of the audience off guard, and it definitely caught my sister off guard because even after – the initial shock of the the surprise, she was still kind of like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. You know that was like, that really kind of came out of nowhere. finding out that Adrian Toomes is Liz's father. So uh, when that when when Michael Keane opens the door and sees Peter Parker, you know, head case, What was your first reaction when you saw that?
1: I I've seen the film t- twice now because I saw it you know early and then I saw it Friday night, and both times the entire audience just went, whoa. I know when I when – I, uh, uh, during my, the first show when I legit said out loud, oh, shit. <laughs> like, I mean not really loud, but I said it loud enough that a couple of people next to me heard me. So, yeah, I completely out of left field. Did not expect that at all. Now at with, all.
2: Yeah, and with me, before I go on to you, with awful with me, when I saw him open the door, like I got that initial shock. We're like, oh, crap. Like, you know. My initial thought was that maybe he found out who he was, and maybe he already kidnapped Liz and was holding her like hostage in the house or something. That was my first thought. But then when he like let him in, it was being all nicey nice with him, and then you know he's like, I'm Liz's father. Like, oh shit, that's awesome, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that little twist. Adolfo, what did you think?
3: Uh, I, I was totally cool with it. I thought it worked really well, and just like just like Headcase said, in my screening, every, like as soon as he opened the door, everyone in the audience you could hear the "oh shit" kind of reaction <laughs> from everybody. Like it was a really great reveal. Um, and I and and this is where I I I mean, I mean Keaton was great throughout the whole film, but this is actually my favorite sequence of him in the film. Uh, is whenever like he's doing the like overprotective dad thing like oh you better not you know mess around with my daughter kind of thing which, which is makes it a lot more villainous once you know who he is you know and then in the car when he's in the car he's starting to figure out he's spider-man i love the fact that he's not an idiot like i love the fact that uh it doesn't you know like another superhero movie is like either the villain is too stupid to find out who the hero is or it takes them so all these like obvious clues whereas he kind of figures it out kind of right away he's like oh I see who you are. I know who you are now. And uh, it, it's such a great villainous villainous uh, performance at that point. Like once he realizes he's in the car with his enemy, uh, that's fantastic.
1: It took me a while. It, t- it reminded me a lot of uh, the first Spider-Man movie when uh, 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 Willem Dafoe t- uh, had to figure out that uh, Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker was Spider-Man. I mean it wasn't as like – it was sort of similar. It wasn't exactly the same. You know, It wasn't like the uh, the Amazing Spider-Man, which I really – I mean I like Amazing Spider-Man as a film, the first one. But I really hated the fact that um, the fucking the, – the lizard found out that Peter Parker was Spider-Man because the fucking camera that he left had property of Peter Parker on it. I thought that was absolutely terrible. That was one of the things I really did not like about that film. But yeah, this was very refreshing. And it was, um, he, yeah, like you said, it took, a, took him a few minutes to figure out. The one thing I thought was interesting about uh, that car sequence is after he sends uh, Liz into the prime, like I'm going to give Peter the old dad talk. And he turns around, and he actually, you don't, you, if you don't uh, pay attention, notice he has a handgun. He doesn't hold it up, he doesn't aim it at Peter or anything. But when he turns, when he first turns around to talk to him, he's holding the handgun like right in front of the, the passenger's headrest. I thought that was a really nice detail.
2: Yeah, definitely. It, it really speaks like you know, because he sees you know Peter Parker cares about his daughter, and he doesn't want to jeopardize that. And he explains to him, you know, I'm doing this for my family. So as long as like you leave here, show my daughter a good time, and we forget about all this, you know, we're cool. You know, but uh, you know, if you right. keep at it, if you keep coming after me, you know, I'm gonna have to put a bullet in your brain. You know, so that's I mean, but. It, That whole exchange was just like it was very calm, but at the same time you knew the implications, and that made it even that made it tense in my eyes, you know, which I think was the objective anyway. Like it was a very calm, civil conversation, but with him holding kind of the gun on his side, there kind of added to the whole the whole the tension of this that scene was trying to convey. So uh, very, very well done, very well structured. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, I mean, that's pretty much the main point as far as, I want to talk about as far as, uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, so, I guess we can kind of go around, Adolfo, we can start with you, um, just overall, like, coming out of the film, just your thoughts on it now, like, overall, what do you think about this movie, like, how does it hold up compared to the other MCU films?
3: Hello. Sorry, I just realized I was on mute. <laughs> um, uh, I, I really, really enjoyed the film. Uh, I, I was so happy that um, that they finally got him right. I Like I said, it's been uh, 13 years since we had a good Spider-Man film because Spider-Man 3 was terrible, and I do not like the amazing Spider-Man series. Uh, I like that they incorporated the larger Marvel Universe and also set up – uh, little easter eggs for everyone else uh for for future spider-man films uh without beating you over the head with it like and i know i beat up on batman superman a lot like that movie did or even the amazing spider-man 2 did that they had they threw in so much stuff like to to tease future movies that it was just ridiculous and stupid um yeah. that so i enjoyed that, that that they did that with um with this film, or just little Easter eggs, little tiny ones, including uh, damage control, which is an actual thing from the comics, uh, uh, which I found awesome. That and that, that damage control in the comics, that is like that's a deep pull for them to, to put into the uh, into a movie, which I think is hilarious. And uh, Anne Marie Hogue, who's the uh, who's like the director, she's the lady at the beginning. Uh, she's an actual character, and if you look up that name and look up like the drawings of her in the in the comics, they Perfectly cast that woman because <laughs> I think it's time Daly. Yes, uh, it perfectly cast that woman because she looks exactly like her. Um, so uh, I, I did love. I did love that it, they finally got Spider-Man right. Um, even though they did, it, it's not a you know uh, absolutely perfect um, adaptation of his origin. It, you know, it's a it's a completely new origin. It fits it within this Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's not the traditional origin that we always have. Um, but it is it was a you know just a, fan, a fantastic film uh i loved it pretty much from start to end i have very little criticisms if any about it right now so uh it, it was very enjoyable case.
1: same um i actually i remember when i saw it uh they were actually interviewing they had people out there interviewing uh people who had saw the film to give their own own thoughts i guess because because it was a the early screening it was also a press screening but i don't know if any uh, actual members of the press showed up so they were just interviewing random people who wanted to give their thoughts with like in like a short like a minute minute and a half i said um it blew the other films out of the water period and honestly i still think that um i really need to go back and re-watch spider-man 2 but it's probably right up there if it's if if not better than spider-man 2 it's at least number two in the list of all the Spider-Man films ranked so I really loved it like I said I had some reservations I had some worries especially when the second trailer came out and it was people were worried that they showed way too much of the film in the second trailer and I was one of those people but they really did well so you know I really loved the film period you know um, I think the next one the next big Marvel movie movie is probably black panther which i saw the trailer for um when i saw it on friday right i thought that was you know and i'll, I'll go into that real quick black panther looks absolutely amazing it does, it but, really uh, does. and the fact that they and i uh, i don't know how uh, y'all uh i don't know if y'all are real deep into rap but the fact that they use motherfucking run the jewels as a fucking soundtrack for that trailer popping <laughs> big time <laughs>
2: I mean, I, I liked. The, I, I don't know what the song was, but I did like like the song that that they used. Like, I I found myself liking it. I just didn't know what song was. If it was like an original composition or what it was. But now that you told me, it's Run The Jewels, That was uh, that's very yes. cool. Um, I think Ragnarok is next, right? in November, if I'm not mistaken.
3: Yeah, it is Ragnarok, and then Black Panther. Then it's
2: Black Panther. Okay.
3: Then okay. then well, it's Avengers, I, I
1: believe. Then it's Infinity War. Okay. okay. Well,
2: awesome.
3: Yeah.
1: I'm uh, I, my bad.
2: No, 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 it's all right. You know, I wanted to make sure that uh I think Thor was the next one coming up in the chronology and then it's Black Panther. But uh I think Black Panther's the big one for next year though, if I'm not mistaken. So I don't know when is Infinity War coming out? Is that twenty nineteen or is that end of twenty eighteen? Uh, it's next year,
1: I think.
3: Is it? Holy crap.
1: Pretty sure. I just uh, saw I just saw on a uh, Wikipedia page the next Spider Man's solo movie well there's no there's no uh source for it so i don't know if somebody just added this but it says the next sequel for spider-man homecoming is supposed to be out july 5th 2019 so we're gonna get it two years later uh, i don't it must be right after infinity wars or right like i uh, did they did they split up infinity wars into two movies
3: no, they're going to do Infinity War in one movie, and then there's going to be a second Avengers movie, but they haven't titled it yet. Originally, it was going to be a Part One and Part Two, but I think they're yeah, because I remember keeping Infinity War
1: as one movie now. Yeah, because I remember they did that, and then uh, DC was going to do that for Justice League, but I don't um, I don't know if they're doing one Part yeah, One and Two for you're Justice League absolutely or Absolutely
2: right. So you have Thor Ragnarok in November, you have Black Panther in February, and then that's the uh, penultimate film before uh, Avengers: Infinity War, which is next May holy crap literally like less than a year away now from that one that's going to be interesting so uh all right so yeah I guess,
3: go ahead uh, no and i was gonna say um that, that it, i wouldn't be surprised you know comic-con is in like two weeks or something or a week i wouldn't be surprised if uh marvel shows infinity war footage at that at that one.
2: Oh, definitely I, I i wouldn't put that past because comic-con coming up you know they always like to give out little little tastes Here and there, you know, little samples. But uh, I guess with that, we can wrap up for respective Episode 98. Any questions, comments, feedback, just send an email to fpmpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at fpmoviepodcast. You can follow me on Twitter as well at sportsguy515. Adolfo, plugs, please.
3: Okay, EssentialFilmsPodcast.com, uh, on Twitter, at Essential Films, on Facebook, The Essential Films. Um, we most recently did our episode on The Bridge on the River Quiet that is up and available to download. You can subscribe to it on iTunes. Our next episode will be the original 1977 Star Wars, uh, which is probably a movie that none of us have to prep for because we know that movie very well. Uh, <laughs> on, but but uh, we will prep for it nonetheless. Uh, so that is the next episode. No. Uh, no, we have no date on when that's going to drop because we have to we have to figure out schedules for that one. But please uh, go go back and listen to uh, our entire catalog. We also have we did, we did The Godfather, we did Gone with the Wind, we did uh, Vertigo, The Searchers, Halloween. So we got to
1: – we we did a lot of good movies. So please check us out.
2: Uh, Headcase, anything you want to plug or talk about real quick?
1: Yeah, sure, I'll go ahead. Um I've set up my I don't it's not really like set up, but I have my own web domain, uh, mcheadcase.com. It right now it just redirects to my uh, my Bandcamp page, which is mcheadcase.bandcamp.com. Um, uh that's where you can buy my debut album, Lunatic Fringe: A Self Portrait, which has been which uh when October rolls around, it will be two years yeah. i'm currently working on i'm currently working on my next project which is an album titled uh brothers in arms which is entirely produced by scotty royal um we've been working on that for a couple of years now and we started like started really recording last year but uh all three of us moved into different directions i moved to the other side of charlotte scotty moved to uh cannapolis and then the engineer we were working for him i don't even remember where he moved so, you know, I don't know if we have to get all of us together to record again, or if I have to go elsewhere. But yeah. I'm hopeful. I'm hoping to have at least the material done by the end of the year, so we can have it ready by the spring or the summer of next year. But yeah, um, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, MC Headcase, and uh, like I said, my sound my SoundCloud page is SoundCloud.com/slash MC Headcase, and uh, I think that's pretty much it. Thanks again for having me on here, guys. I really appreciate it.
2: Oh, not a problem, man. Like It, it was definitely our pleasure to have you on. Um, but for those of you wondering, okay, you, last week you said you were going to do Pulp Fiction. What happened with Pulp Fiction? Well, long story short, Mr. Geekdom101 has a very busy schedule. So it's been a little hard to be able to, to bring him down and say, okay, we got we to gotta record this at this set time because his schedule is always changing. He's always putting up videos at different times, recording stuff at different times. So, we finally have a schedule set for when we're going to record the Pulp Fiction show along with Draven. So, uh, that'll be the next episode, episode 99. The penultimate episode before our big, uh, our big 100th spectacular coming up. I don't know if it'll happen this summer. We may have to postpone it until September just because of my job obligations. which listeners to the show, you already know how, what my job is and how August, essentially, I've become a AWOL when it comes to just social media or just being around, period. So um, so next episode, we can definitely get into the Pulp Fiction, uh, My Favorite Film Retrospective, and uh, then we can have our big 100, but we'll have more details on that coming up with the next show. But again, uh, Headcase, thank you very much for coming on the show, talking Spider-Man with us. And uh, does anybody have any final words before we get out of here?
3: Um, well, just because the movie didn't say it, and I'm sure everyone was upset about it, uh, with great power
1: comes <laughs> great responsibility. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. that's pretty much yeah nothing else i've got to add awesome, go see spider-man homecoming yeah
2: if, if we didn't stress it enough like i mean if you're listening to this but at this point you probably already saw it because we just spoiled the entire movie for you <laughs> but uh, but, uh if, i mean if you're still here and listen to it and still want to see it we highly highly recommend seeing spider-man homecoming absolutely amazing just everything you want in a spider-man film and more so uh Definitely check that out. So with that being said, on behalf of Adolfo and Headcase, I'm Sports Guy Five One Five. Once again, thank you very much for joining us. And until next time, we are out of here. Bye, folks. See you later.
1: Take care.